and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Tar, directed by Todd Field, starring Kate Blanchett. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm good. I've been totally rocking out to the uh, EDM track at the end of this movie. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I it's actually look, a really awesome song. <laughs> I had to look it up. It's a song called Barbarian by Bessomorph. Um, <laughs> Bessomorph, you know, I looked through his music. It's extremely popular, but like all of his music is just re... It's like recreated other... It's like other songs um that some like somebody famous wrote and then he just turns it into like EDM house. Mm, um mm. so not really one of my favorite kind of artists cuz it's it feels like there's he's just reinterpreting but I have to say you know there's probably something there's probably something kind of fun about having a career that's sort of defined in that way like um, That's kind of like a TikTok artist uh version of um, of like a, a a musician, you know what I mean? Surprisingly, they just recreate a lot of different things. You know what's actually in- really interesting about that is I didn't, I had no idea about this guy. So you just unlocked a a secret thing in my brain. I think I know but where that you're going. is to- that is totally the point of the movie mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if Barbarian is actually a reinterpretation of any Maybe particular not. song. Um, but it's funny that all of his music is, it seems to be that way. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not to jump too, too quickly into <laughs> the, the topic at hand, you know, we like to linger overall Cameron, I'm doing well. How about yourself? You have a good, uh, president's day break. That's why you're getting this probably end of Tuesday instead of Monday. I did. I did. Um, yeah, I went back to Tahoe again, but uh, I didn't end up skiing, but you know it's it's all good. Uh, just hung out, had a cabin, had good food and some some good drinks, and just relaxed. It was it was fun. Uh, long drive back though, and today is act. It's like insane. It's the <laughs> it's like the craziest like windiest day I've seen in a long time. Um, I was walking down, I had to go FedEx something, and I was mm-hmm. walking down the street, um, and there were palm trees that were like, you know, those pictures in of like hurricanes that, that are going by, of like the palm trees are sideways. They were literally doing that today outside in San Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I couldn't believe it, so. Yeah, man, dang. Um, the wind is nuts. I was just saying it's probably, I don't, if you hear weird noises and stuff, that's probably what it is coming through the window or something. It seems to have died down a little bit here as we started recording, but, um, yeah, just some wild wind, some storm coming into the bay, uh, towards the end of the week, but this isn't obviously a weather channel (laughs) podcast. That would be so boring. Can you imagine? We end up talking about it a lot though. (laughs) We have so much to talk about. Cameron, uh, (laughs) have you been watching anything? How about that? Let's get back on movies. No, I haven't really. Um, unfortunately. Yeah. I've, I really have nothing to report. I didn't even get to watch the last of us this week because I was gone, but, um, yeah, no, nothing, nothing at all. That's crazy because I was sitting here trying to be like, what did I watch? I couldn't remember anything. And then I realized I watched three other movies and The Last of Us and this movie. This Dang. Week. So 
See what happens when you give me an extra day on this show. I just end up watching way too much. I guess um, so, yeah. I guess I'll go from probably worst to best, maybe. Or maybe that's just my personal enjoyment. Um, yeah, I revisited a film with Juliana because she had been seeing clips on TikTok. It's a movie called Passengers with Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. You know... I think it's kind of a fine movie. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything really like offensive or bad about the film. I think it's kind of a cool, like it's a, it's an idea that doesn't feel wholly original, but I, I think it's executed with a good amount of charisma. And there's something I really like about the film um, that reminds me. And I don't know if this is where it's hearkening from, but there's like a Android bartender in the movie um, that, it's basically about these two people that wake up early from cryogenic sleep and they're stuck on this like cruise ship esque spaceship. Right. Uh, and so there's like this Android bartender who they think is human at first, but then you realize he doesn't have legs and you know, he has a lot of kind of like, like, like he's like a trained AI to like hold this conversation with him and be a good bartender and whatnot. Um, but it kind of feels like the scenes in the shining when he's like talking to the bartender, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. They yeah. capture something about that, uh, and it feels very lonely and kind of eerie when they're alone on the ship. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, pretty pretty fun film. Interesting that Juliana wanted to watch a movie in space because uh, she hates that kind of thing, but she was into it. I think the, the character drama was enough for her to keep her uh, pulled through. So we watched that, and together we also watched The Last of Us, which, since you haven't seen it, I won't talk too much about it. Um I think overall it's still really good. There's a particular scene between Ellie and Joel where they have a little bit of an argument. I think it's really well done, but I think this is probably the first episode that has a little bit more of a pacing issue going on. Cause they, they kind of like build up to some emotional drama. They resolve it too quickly. They open a new drama and then it ends. So it kind of felt like it should have ended maybe 15 minutes earlier and it mm-hmm. would have like drew something. I, I don't know. I don't know. There was something about the way that they felt like they had to kind of speed through a couple of things towards the end of the episode. Um, and uh, a little bit of some, I guess, like differing changes with some characters and whatnot. There's also a really funny scene where they were talking about how communism should work in the apocalypse, which is like a very weird, like, I don't know, like it's like a very strange moment where they run into some survivors and they're like, well, this all works because of communism, you know? And it's like, what? (laughs) It just feels very, very odd. Um, But uh, whatever, you know? Uh, (laughs) So if you, yeah, you know, if you want to check that out, you can, I still think the show is really good. Um, and I'm excited to see how it continues to unfold, but probably, probably one of the, the lesser good episodes in my opinion. Um, the other film that I revisited was Tron legacy. Uh, I saw a video essay on YouTube about it. I want to revisit it. The movie, um, has some CGI stuff that doesn't like last super long, but there is a particular vibe with this film that I think, has definitely resonated with a lot of people solely because I think of Daft Punk's score. I, I attribute most of that. And I do think that there are really impressive like 
um, art. There's really impressive art direction in this movie as well. That kind of has then like reinfused the Tron look into pop culture. Um, mm-hmm. and I just think it's interesting because this is a sequel to a cult classic that was like, I, I'm assuming kind of well, kind of known, you know, from the eighties. Um, but could have been easily forgotten. They bring it back and it kind of retains that same energy where people know about it, but they probably don't remember the last time they saw it. You know, you know, it's um, totally super interesting. We didn't talk about it last week, but that director is the same director of Top Gun Maverick. No way. No way. Yeah. So well, I will say his action is pretty good. Like, yeah, no, I think, exactly. I think the movie really slows down when they stop doing action. Uh, in it so um yeah i still i really like the movie but um emotionally i think it falls flat in a lot of different areas juliana was so uninterested in this movie when i started she was like i can't stand this (laughs) you know and i was like okay you know i i didn't really care i just really wanted to watch and hear the music whatnot and the final film that i revisited um i did not finish it though and i should get back around to it was sicario uh, which, you know, Villeneuve, he's my guy. You see so much of Dune, like, in this. Um, it's such a unique... I, I think it's a really unique um, kind of, like, thriller thing. Because there's something about it that sort of reminds you of, like, Silence of the Lambs. Um, but the enemy and the threat is like this nebulous like you can't quite pin it down and Mm. that like really plays into the favor of the movie because all of the characters are like there's this massive crime issue in mexico and we're trying to punch back but you're like punching smoke you know like you don't quite know right what's what you're doing right and wrong and um yeah the movie really does uh disturb in a lot of cases um but it's it is so captivating and um i forget who the who the guy is the um like the sicario assassin guy what what the actor's name is um but he's just fantastic in the movie just like just like an iconic performance uh in the film he just carries himself with you're talking about benicio del toro oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it's just like like just like hands up like wow you know like wow it's <laughs> just such a great performance um so if you haven't seen sicario if you liked some of our previous conversations about Villeneuve with dune or you know you really liked prisoners i think this movie is gonna be right up your alley so totally please I agree. yeah i love i love this movie and i you know it's one that um we haven't really talked about because we had both seen it i think um yeah. and we were going over villeneuve and i wanted to touch on the other stuff that you hadn't seen but i think it's well worth watching it's really an excellent an excellent thriller and kind of uh, really does keep you on your toes i'd say so good stuff yeah and some great acting josh Brolin's in it um the guy from what's his name the guy from uh uh nope and also, oh, Daniel um, Kaluuya. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya's in it. He's really great in it. And um, the lead actress, gosh, I'm terrible with actor names. Um, Emily Blunt. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, those are the the four leads of the movie, right? And yeah, I, I don't know. They're just super strong. So definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, 
so yeah, I guess I have been watching a lot. I feel like I've this last week I just had a little bit more time to kind of take in life a little bit. And um, I didn't overbook myself. This week I'm a little more overbooked, but I, it's nice we had that day off. So I'm like, mm-hmm. it's okay if I'm overbooked. Four days, you know, I can make it, you know? <laughs> like, it's not too bad. Um, but yes, Cameron, we're about to get into this movie. Of course, if you enjoy the show, you can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars our way. Get some exclusive benefits. Patrons, we're looking for your questions. You can just DM us. Are we, I mean, you're going to make us start posting a thread. Maybe that's our responsibility. We can do it, yeah. Uh, but then it's going to have no comments. So, you know, if you want your questions read on air, you can write in DM. Uh, for now, that's how we're doing it. Uh, if you want to support us financially there, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, and we were just is... talking about some ideas about some things that we might do starting exclusively for patrons. So maybe. Oh, yes. Think about it. Think about it. Well, we used to offer some bonus content, so when you do subscribe over there, you have access to a lot of old commentary tracks, a couple bonus episodes. There are just a few um, reviews that we put up over there for Patreons. We're promising consistent content, but Cameron and I got busy, so we kind of pulled that away as a donation. It's more of a donation platform, so just shout out to our Patreons that do support us. And we totally get it if you don't have dollars. You know, Times are a little tough right now. Uh, giving us a rating, sharing the show, even just listening. All of it helps our show grow. So we just appreciate your time. We thank you for listening. And especially when you're, uh, <laughs> I always feel extra grateful when you guys are listening to my opinion, because I'm like, what do I know? What, I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> most of the time. Um, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll have an interesting conversation with this one, Cameron. But oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about it. <laughs> okay. Let's, why don't you recap what we're doing while we're talking about 2022 movies uh, and give some background on this film, and we can get into our thoughts. Yeah, well, really, we're just going through a couple of the Best Picture nominees, um, and obviously, we won't be able to do them all, but um, I wanted to take a, 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 just a time to do a couple of really notable ones that you hadn't seen. Uh, this one was one for me that I don't know if is so notable other than in kind of the film community and just uh, in general, the sort of prestige award situation. Um, the other two that, that uh, well, Everything Everywhere, uh, you and Juza watched, and then um, Top Gun, you also watched, I think are more notable for the everyday public. But I think this one is much more of a um, critic's darling maybe and not quite as popular of a movie um but i i was really curious to see what you were thinking about it because for one this is a movie that is is a a little bit confusing to me not just that um i mean it's a it's a long movie it's kind of a boring movie but i love it and i think it's it's really um captivating i think it does some very weird unusual and uh very striking things with you know filmmaking form um and then at the you know no no spoilers here but a lot of it ends up in kind of a rather obscure and interesting joke uh that (laughs) i just um i think is kind of funny but also i think the the movie just as a whole um, has some some weird things that I honestly I, would, I just want to think about with you because mm. I don't know how to feel about it myself even though um, I really love the movie and I think it's 
not something for everybody, but I, I definitely think it's worth watching. Um, but we can go over some of the plot points if you want before we sure. get into our opinions. Sure. Um, so Tar is following kind of a prestigious um, composer, or sorry, not composer, um, uh, prestigious, what does she do? What does she actually do? What's the name of it? <laughs> a conductor. Uh, That's what yes, it is. Um, she's a, a kind of a, a well-known and well-regarded conductor in this world of classical orchestration um, you know, she's floated around and made her way to the top of the Berlin Orchestra, which was, you know, always her dream orchestra and whatever else. Um, and, you know, as she is there, as she is kind of finishing the capstone of her um, of her her life's work of recreating all of uh, Mahler's um, symphonies, she is thrust into a handful of controversies that that end up taking her down. Um, and you know, you see kind of the, um, the, what goes into that and kind of the hubris and, and the buildup, um, and the, you know, the mistakes along the way to someone's, um, to someone's fall. Um, and you know, it centers around her, um, professionally in some ways as, you know, it follows her doing some guest lectures and doing some, um, you know, some interviews and whatnot. And then it, it follows her kind of more uh, personal life as she's she's married to um, a woman who's a violinist in the orchestra. And she kind of has these certain quirks about who she picks for, for certain roles. Um, and it seems to be, you know, the implication is she's playing some favoritism uh, based on who she likes and whatnot. Um, and so there's there's some you know, some of the, the drama comes from that, but really it's, it's a, um, kind of a, a whole c capturing of the last kind of few months in the, the lead up to this final performance and then what happens following that. Um, and if there's anything that I missed before we get into it, um, yeah, is that, what do you think? Good, good enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I'm, I'm honestly, like, if you haven't seen this movie, which I'm assuming most people haven't, <laughs> uh, any sort of like review of what happens in the plot will probably help your viewing experience in my opinion. Yeah, um, probably. I think one of the most difficult things about this movie is how it is placed in a very niche culture mm -hmm. uh, around like classical music, uh, the scene of classical music, what's happening and what's, innovative and it even pokes fun at, at, of itself and its characters um, with the way that younger people sort of respond to uh, classical music and whatnot and, or, or their thoughts on it and what they think um, early on. There's kind of that strange like lecture moment where you're kind of expecting sort of a whiplash um, explosion, but it, it really is like a, charismatic teacher who's mean that ends up like I think it's kind of like a representation of worldview clashing with a a younger person who you know is into less classical music more into sort of that like I just I'm gonna speak I don't know very much about classical music but they're they're into that um textural sound you know the Christopher Nolan yeah, the, yeah. The, the Christopher <laughs> Nolan like um, 
like push. And I, I'm familiar with some of the language because my brother went through music school and he was a composer and that was his major. Um, so we used to listen to classical composition together and Glenn would explain, well, this is why this is discussed. And do I think it's a bunch of bull crap? Yeah. I'd rather listen to stuff from the seventies or the sixties or, you know, classic rock artists or, you know, singer songwriters. Cause there's so much there that relates with our modern time now. Um, one of the things I always found interesting about Glenn's conversations around classical music because of his major is how he was like sort of influenced by like Kate Blanchett's like perspective of like, Oh, the classics, the classic composers are asking a question and there's an answer and you can kind of get involved in this story with classical music. And so Glenn would, when he was in school would talk to me about, kind of the value that's brought there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also how there's like this other school of thought in the, the class, like, and I guess music school where they're talking about kind of that textural, like I feel something cause it's weird. And, and we talk a lot about this in like in, in film analysis as well. Yeah. Um, but it's much more difficult to kind of interpret what is even the point or if there's any semblance of rhythm at all, because they're getting into this experimental, um, group and Cameron, you probably understand what I'm saying because you saw Glenn's like uh, recital performance where he really tried to show his understanding of all of those concepts from mm-hmm. a classical composition to the end. He did this strange like, well, he showed off some of his own pop music and he also presented more of a, like a Christopher Nolan score thing where the music was kind of that thumping, very Tenet inspired um, composition. So. I think I think the um what I'm trying to get at is like even with my own interest in music and composition I think this movie really tries to like make you not feel a part of that circle mm-hmm. which is a especially from its opening moments and it yeah. kind of took me back because that interview starts um with uh Tar like talking on stage She's um using these really obnoxious words <laughs> and like mm-hmm. going on and on about it, it. At a certain point, it almost feels comical. Like you're like, what is she even saying? You know? Yeah. Uh, and that's where like this new appreciation for this movie clicked pretty early on for me. Where I was like, what a what a performance! Because I don't know how an actor approaches a script or a scene like that, and so like is able to capture the obnoxiousness uh while sounding like they completely belong where they are you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and so i do want to say like from the start although this movie i think i do agree with you is kind of boring um and there's a lot of like things that push you away as an audience there's another side of me that's like i'm kind of impressed and i feel like no one else will be impressed by that <laughs> um but there is something there that well i don't know kind of drawing me that in you know it, totally well i think part of the see this is why i think this movie really is excellent because um part of that that kind of uh faux intellectualism or i guess learned intellectualism is you know is later on kind of dismantled um, you know, with her uproots and her her beginnings, and um, you know, there's this there's this beautiful scene where she's watching uh, Leonard Bernstein um, 
and kind of you get a glimpse of like her passion and what she really what she really desired most from her career but when she's up on stage and and the f- the front half of the movie really is her kind of um radiating this like pompous energy mm. to try to fit in you know try to fit in everywhere and it is kind of funny isn't it you know there is something very comical about that that scene um just the obnoxiousness of it uh the um you know she's like uh yeah she, uh, it's like it's like almost like a deliberate pompousness um from both characters in the beginning of that scene well what um, i'm what i'm surprised about is because that sort of dialogue right like that pseudo intellectual conversation thing that's happening it, ins- it instantly disconnects me as an audience member but maybe it's something about the way that i've learned to watch movies or something but there there was something that clicked like my my emotions to that scene was like okay i'm trying to follow i have no idea what they're saying what's going on okay this is a bunch of garbage you know like i don't want to listen to this dialogue and then like my my engagement relocked when i was like how are they still going you know <laughs> like how are they still sure, going sure. and then and then i started to like lean forward and i was like wait actually like how are they able to like like even act this you know uh and that that's like what really like began to kind of impress me yeah um well i do want to i guess i want to get into um so we talked a little bit about the form and the discussion between sort of this old school style of of living with the classics and and kind of um you know retreading that that ground and kind of delving deep and deep and deep into the, the sort of canonical, um, ideas about, about music. But I think, you know, I think to me, this movie applies, like, I, I think about this movie in terms of film a lot more than I do with, with music. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's kind of what I know and what I understand. Um, and you know, in some ways the discussion around, film is is in the like intellectual sense um is very similar to the discussion that they're having in that classroom scene which i think maybe is it the best scene of the movie it's one of the best scenes of the movie i think um because it really uh it really kind of hones in what's you know the struggle between tar and maybe a more modern um you know way like a, a changing view of the world where tar is kind of set in her ways and um and hard-headed in a lot of ways but uh she has this this idea of um you know learning and diving deep into um the past to meet the future you know that's what she says in the in the very beginning um and i i in that scene i'm kind of in total agreement with her um, the whole time, yeah, you know, she's mean to the kid. So, you know, that's not, that's not good, but she's, what she's saying is, is probably true in a lot of ways. And, and I think she makes, um, a good argument for going back to, um, like the classics of film, which is something that we do, uh, you know, on this show. That's like, 
you know, the whole purpose of, of showing you movies from the twenties and the forties and the sixties is so that you can, you can reinterpret those, you know, those newer movies with the things that you, um, with the lessons that you've learned from, from the older ones. And, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the whole point of that, that diatribe is just because, you know, their personal lives have been marred by, you know, the new social values that we have today doesn't mean their work should be discarded. It's just that, um, you know, they should be integrated with, you know, a new sort of perception of things. Um, and I think, you know, in a lot of ways, that's the struggle that we're, that a lot of people have been fighting in the film, you know, criticism industry for the past probably 10 years or so is how do you deal with people who truly were monsters in their personal lives, um, but who contributed greatly to, uh, film and, um, to, to the medium. Um, and I think, I think in a lot of ways that's kind of more so the point of, of the movie, um, than anything. It is kind of allegorical, uh, for something, um, probably rooted more in the conversation of a film. Like, I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of, uh, protesters for classical conductors happening outside of their, their book signings, you know? <laughs> so, um, but I, but you know, it is probably something that, that will affect, um, filmmakers and, and kind of just the, the way that, that people are, are, you know, thinking about the film industry and, and about media criticism. Um, and that's kind of more so, even though it's set, you know, uh, technically it's set in the world of classical music and, you know, conductors and, and all that stuff. I think it's very clearly more allegorical towards, um, towards film and filmmaking, um, than music, I would say, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just think kind of diving into some of the surface level context interests me and it got me i what what i was trying what i was trying to get at is i think the surface level should have been an engaging factor in this movie you know um i'm not trying to say i'm like well versed in any form of like classical music conversation but i I, I thought it would be easier to get into this movie and it wasn't. And that's kind of where I wanted wanted to start. And what mm-hmm. did interest me about this movie were things that I didn't think were going to engage me. Sure. Uh, which would be the acting performances. Maybe subtle decisions that were like kind of more ambiguous to the plot and the feeling of the plot and what's even going on in the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, those were the scenes that drew me in, whether it's kind of the horror elements, yeah, the creepy, like falling apart, uh, parts of like Germany where she's underground and running, um, or the metronome in the house. Like Mm -hmm. there, there are little like horror moments that resound through this movie um, that I was like, wow, there might, there might be something here. Right. Um, with all of that said though, I really don't think that this movie is something great. 
I actually think that it 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 feels an arm's length away through its entire viewing, and maybe that's its purpose. Um, but it far overstays its welcome. This movie could be so much tighter, I think, and it really it really begins to feel quite like 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 you just you just feel more and more distant cuz there are these scenes that draw you in and you're like I want I I'm interested in this. I am actually kind of engaging in it and then it's back to something that you're not so interested in or not so engaged with and it kind of leaves you with the feeling of like like it does leave you with a feeling which is like for 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 me as a viewer like I I give it thumbs up right like i'm like okay cool like i i kind of understood something but i just it it kind of reels back to that like early conversation in this movie where they're they're sort of going on and on about something that is supposed to be meaningful and by the end of this movie, you know, you're kind of just sitting there like, all right, you know, like, and I've had experiences like that, like that I've described out loud with some movies. Um, but with this one, I don't, I don't feel hateful towards it. I don't even feel like it's a missed opportunity. If anything, I kind of just, I just, I I don't know if you're just supposed to feel like kind of bland across it because it kind of like it like pulls some things here and there. And there's like, I don't know, like I'm I guess I'm still kind of sitting and chewing on it. I just. There is something about this film that isn't resounding, if that makes sense. It there are there are moments in it where I'm like oh, that's interesting, or that's kind of cool, or I could pull something out of this. Um, I just, I don't know. I didn't, I felt there were, like I had an emotional response in moments, and then it would like cut that off, and it was back to this very drab viewing experience, back into a little bit of like something dramatic or something a little out of left field. Oh, I'm kind of engaged again. I'm kind of interested um, and I think those moments were either like the weirder horror elements of this film or like the acting performances that I thought were stellar. Right. Mm -hmm. Other than that, there's a lot of runtime in this film that just feels like a snooze, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. Cause I, I probably would have agreed with you um, without rewatching, um, but this time I definitely um, I liked it better than the first time, and I was much more um, you know I wasn't thrown off I guess by the the like nuances of what she's saying, and I was kind of more accepting of of the, the framing and kind of the, the, the inner workings of, of, you know, what she's doing that, um, you know, sets off her downfall. 
And I, I do think, look, I said this was kind of a boring movie. It wasn't really for everybody. Um, but I do really think there, there, there is a core of this movie that is, um, so, uh, unique and, and interestingly done, um, that I think, I think it's well worth watching just for the fact that, um, there's, I don't know if I've seen a movie quite like it. Um, it's a very unusual one structurally in a lot of ways. Um, and I think towards the end, it like it, the, the descending nature of, of Tars, even just her brain or something like there, there is something that, that, uh, is a, affected in the movie where you start to see her kind of, um, you know, she acts a lot weirder. Um, but, but so does the movie. It kind of gets more and more, um, uh, like strangely distant in places and kind of, um, dreamlike in others. And I, I, yeah, I just think, I think so much of the, I guess the there's a discussion that's happening inside the movie about Tar and about her sort of professional career implosion um and her you know her personal faults um but but they're they're kind of um in some ways that the the story elements of that which you know that kind of drama is what's driving the narrative of the movie. And I think you're right that that is arm's length, but probably intentionally so, um, because really what we're watching is Tar kind of having a, a, a personal and mental implosion that is much closer. And I think what you're describing with, you know, the performances and kind of some of the, the very interesting things that are, happening on screen are watching Kate Blanchett basically. Um, right. and I, I do think that's, that's kind of the, the point of keeping you a little bit more distant from, from the actual narrative of what's happening because you know, the, the whole, um, is it Kendra or Tanya or whatever her name is? The, um, the woman who commits suicide, it's all very implied. Everything that happens there is implied. Um, you know, yeah. and you're not really getting to any of the um, the source material there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you are watching is kind of her own uh, personal. You know, she's she's putting this thing off. She doesn't really want to deal with it. She wants to kind of sweep it under the rug, um, and and she's feeling this sense of um, isolation and this fear of kind of losing things around her um, mm-hmm. that, that I think is much more engaging and more interesting, which is why, you know, there's those moments of, you know, her running in the forest um, and her even just walking down the hallway of her house. While, yeah, they're, they're scary and they're, you know, intentionally tense moments. I think they're partially there because, you know, she, you know, the feeling that you get from her is that she is is terrified of where she is. She's sleepless at night. She doesn't really even, you know, she, like this has always been her dream, but 
but when she gets there, she is doing every, she, everything she can to basically make things explode along the way. And I think that is a much more interesting part of this movie is, you know, her own um, watching her mental state kind of, uh, you know, fall through the movie, but also just, you know, she is an interesting character in, in her own right um, and played beautifully by, by Blanchett. So I think, I think that's what is engaging about, about the through line of this movie. And I, I do think, you know, it's, it, it can be boring at times, but I think, I don't know. I, I, I wanted to say this, you know, the second viewing was so much more engaging for me also partially because, you know, the first time you don't really know what's going on and a lot of the things are, are done out of order than they usually would be. So, you know, you get the information about the, uh, the conductor who's, you know, kind of trying to copy her work and, you know, trying to be where she is professionally. You get that after they have their, you know, 10 minute long conversation in the, in the restaurant or whatever, you know what I mean? So you don't even, you don't know any of the context before, and then you get the scene and then you learn the context later. And so I think, I think that is probably what isolates you from, from the story in a lot of ways, because you don't really know what's going on until, until it all comes kind of crashing down all at once. But I do love that reveal where, you know, she's, She's walk. She walks onto the to the stage, and it's the other guy who's who's conducting. You know, because she's right. she's lost her position. So, so there are really there are some great ways that that he uses that to to the film's benefit. Um, but I think in in some ways the narrative uh, gets put on the backseat because of that. Because um, he wants to he wants to use that surprise later on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, watching that scene, they're, you're kind of, like, trying to understand why the song's starting and she's not up there. And so it's got an interesting, like, pull as an audience viewer to witness that and everything. I just... So much about this film feels like it's... Yeah, like, it's interesting you're seeing the second viewing so much better. I think from this conversation, I kind of assumed you were going to have that feeling because you feel like you're trying to catch up from opening moments of attempting to read text messages that are so far into the movie's, like, drama that you don't really even realize, like, what they're talking about till like, much later, right? I think, um, I, I, and I think even then you don't really understand what they're talking about, <laughs> you know, right. like even right. some of those cutaways, uh, that's why the movie is, is so strange in some ways and, and kind of interesting to me is cause there, there are moments where things are, things are definitely left ambiguous, I, I guess I'll say. Yeah. And cause I, I think a lot about, and I, I do this often, but I think a lot about like titles of movies, especially these ones that are a lot more artistic and tar has a very visual, like kind of muck murky feeling and this movie pairs with that 
kind of visual perfectly as you're attempting to kind of wade through what's even happening. Um, I just think that it, it feels like it's kind of so like it's into itself. The movie is into itself that it's, also making fun of itself and then again into itself, you know, like it's like, it's so far deep into its own plot and it's, it's almost like this is the fourth time they've shot this movie and they were like, we should just like, let's just like they, I don't know how many times this movie was edited, but they were like, we just need to like start making it a little bit more unique, you know, Um, or something like, I feel like there's something about this film that, wouldn't have worked if it wasn't ambiguous. Um, yeah, that's but true. also it's so disconnecting in some regards as a first time viewer that I don't, I, I don't know. Like there's, there's instantly, like when I started watching this movie, I was like, there's no way, there's just no <laughs> way that like audiences would be able to get through this. Like I, I feel like it's gonna take a very specific person, and and, and isn't that interesting? Because that's kind of the movie is the the kid's perspective in that scene, right? The actual form of the movie is kind of the the shapeless, uh, melodyless form that the that the kid is conducting um, in the, uh, the the conducting class scene. Um, right, which is which is kind of, which is another joke, and I think I don't know. I think this movie is kind of um, making fun of itself purposely, and I think I'm the sure, ending is. I'm sure audiences are just gonna totally get that, Cameron. <laughs> you know, like that's the other thing. Is well, that yeah, like, but okay, I, did, I said great, it. I said they know? wouldn't. I I said that it was it wasn't for everybody. But, but these like this gets back to the core of what we talk about on this podcast, right? <laughs> sure. It do, it really does. Well, but that's right? why we are talking about this movie. <laughs> I know. I know. I just like even with you talking about like this is just such an interesting like Hollywood reflection. <laughs> You think I care about that? You know, you think well, I want is, to watch something about that? Well, it is interesting. I mean, it, it I'm is supposed to. Do you think I'm supposed to feel anything for someone that drives around in like this, like hundred thousand dollar Porsche supercar, you know, and like has this extravagant life and they feel trapped and then they run off to some other country? Like, it's like, it's like, ah, like I just don't like. I don't, I don't know. Of course the, of course, you know, this movie is going to be nominated. Um, <laughs> it makes me, it makes me disgusted to even like think <laughs> about it now, you know? Um, truly, truly. Cause like, it's kind of just a bunch of crap, you know? And, and to think even, even a movie like everything everywhere, right. That, that I watched with Juzo, like Juzo wasn't so hot on it. I was like, you know, there's to me, I'm like, like, I wasn't crazy about it, but I kind of, you know, can be impressed by some of its attempts to do something kind of out there and being mm -hmm. wild, you know, uh, it's having a lot of fun with itself. I just like, I'm like, how can, how can you say that this one was like definitely best picture over <laughs> something like that, which is like this explosion of creativity, right? 
Um, well, I like forward. this movie a lot more <laughs> than that one. <laughs> but that's just me. That's just me personally. Well, I do, I do think this is a much more cynical movie than Everything Everywhere, which is probably why I like it. Um, and the joke. Everything Everywhere feels a little more childish than this. For sure. Um, yeah. but, the, but the joke but again, here but... is, is she goes, you know, she... Uh, she's so intellectual and we're going to make this, this entire movie of, um, you know, just the most inane, uh, pseudo intellectual sounding kind of highfalutin, uh, uh, you know, visual storytelling and that kind of thing all to make a joke about, um, about monster hunter. Which I don't understand. I don't even know what (laughs) you're talking about, to be honest. Like that's the other thing, right? Because I watched the ending and I'm like, I'm, okay, you know, like I didn't, I got nothing from it. I was like, she's just in another place conducting. She's achieved her dreams or something, and then there's like a screen that goes down. No, she's she's conducting for the lowest form of kind of like, you know, basically what someone like her would think is like the most despicable form of of you know aping. Uh, you know, the music that she loves, basically. I, like, I kind of got, like, I was like, okay, it's like a pretty big demo- demotion, you know? Like, I sort of understood that. <laughs> um, But, like, the ending, I was like, I don't... I re- Like, the ending is very... The ending of this film, it goes kind of where you assume it's going to go, like, where... You know, oh, she loses what she was so afraid of losing, you know, like it's almost like a parable of some kind. And then like just the ending with like all those strange outfits and then like the techno music that we're talking about at the beginning <laughs> of this episode, right? Yeah. It's just like this is very odd, you know. Um and I don't under like like if it was a joke, they should quit being a comedian. You know, that's that's also the other thing. You know, like it's not that, like it wasn't that funny, right? Um, I don't know. Like that's that's, yeah. I <laughs> I don't I don't get I don't get that. Right? I don't I don't think most people would get that. Um, and that's cool if you want to sit there and interpret it. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad, Cameron, because I feel like there is something about this movie that you like, but in a movie does give me kind of the ick <laughs> when you talk about how it's achieving something. And I'm like, it didn't though. Like it didn't really, um, at least to someone like me who I think I've, tr- I've tried really hard to like put in the work to explore and interpret movies. And this one, like, if there was humor in this movie, it was far, far removed from like, you know, what, what I would regard as anything funny, you know? Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and I, I, I would say the, um, it's, it's, pro- it's probably too niche because I think it's, it's the, um, I, maybe it's like only per- people who have had to write like um, just the worst essays on the worst uh, film critics um, 
in the worst film classes, basically, who think this movie is funny, which is like me. That, but that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I think, but, but because because you can see the, um, you can see the film critic, or you can see your professor in Tar in some ways. And you can see maybe yourself in tar in some ways because you've had to make these disgusting, useless analogies and these, um, you know, these things that that you never you're like so far down this rabbit hole of like treating film like a um, like a <laughs> like an artistic thing that you're you're trying like it's the shapeless uh, artistic form and you're trying to put it all together. Um, and, and what, what you really want to be again is six years old, staring at a CRT TV, watching star Wars, but, but you can never go back. <laughs> you can never go back there. And you're, what you're forced to do is you're forced to, um, to make the most useless, terrible, um, interpretations of the thing that you wanted to do you know this whole time but you can't <laughs> but that's sure. that's a joke that only someone like me gets <laughs> i guess i just like the other thing is that that perspective is something we talk about on this show a lot and i feel yeah. like the one like you have challenged me to sit here and watch a bunch of these like strange movies that I'm supposed to sit and interpret and, you know, figure out these analogies. But um, what I think is fun about our podcast is that you are even like tired of that. Right. And I <laughs> yeah. think that your favorite, your favorite takes from this show that we've done together is when I somehow channel some stupid childish take on a movie where I'm like, that was dumb or that didn't make any sense or that wasn't Star Wars, you know? Uh, <laughs> and you're kind of like, you're right, you know? That wasn't. Um, and I think what I've learned during this podcast is, like, the cure to that disease is to stop caring so much and just try to sit back and enjoy the movie. This movie, you, I don't think you can do something like that, you know? That's kind of a confusing thing about this film is that, you have to go pseudo intellectual on it. You have to go like into this interpreting on interpreting and well, what's what's on the surface level is a drama and there's this tense, you know, violent descent into sanity and the horror that it brings up. And then the second viewing is like, wow, this movie's a comedy, you know, like, and it's like, and that's like, you know, the excellence of what this movie is, you know? Um, well, I thought it was a comedy the first time I watched it too, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know. Like for someone that sits on a microphone weekly and overanalyzes movies, like, aren't we tired of it? Aren't you guys tired? <laughs> but of that's, it too? but that's the joke. That's the joke of the movie. Is it, it's a movie that makes you do that and laughs at you for doing it. I didn't want to. I already do enough of it. I know, you know? But, like, but that's but that's why it's what? funny. That's why it's funny to me, personally. I enjoy that it's that it's laughing at me, 
because I have to overanalyze it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It kind of it reminds me of another movie we watched recently where I was like, I feel like I think it was Triangle of Sadness. I talked to Juzo about this. On Triangle of Sadness, I was like, I feel like this movie is made to like just be overanalyzed and it's like built for podcast conversation. And I started getting really mad about it <laughs> when we were talking about it. Cause I was like, I just hate that. That's like just so stupid. Um and then what made it even worse is by the end of our conversation, like I had like this light bulb link uh, that in my brain, even if it was wrong, my interpretation elevated the depth of the film when in reality, there's so much to that film where it's just people drunkly throwing up all over a sea, sh- like being being seasick on a ship, right? Like there's just so much like stupid craziness in that movie. Um that can be overanalyzed as like metaphor or something like that. And then by the end of our discussion, I ended up bringing something of meaning to it as a reflection on COVID and the way that they use the final song uh, from an artist called Fred again. And I was like, well, that was like a, like his whole artist project is around COVID stuff and going back to normality and the elevator. And then I was like, I want to, like just I want to I want to kill myself after that because I just like I was like this is exactly what I didn't want to get into I wish I could have just enjoyed it you know I wish I could have just like taken it for being this zany movie Mm. where Woody Harrelson's drunk and having a communist versus like you know capitalist conversation over the intercom where people are throwing up right because that's what happens in the movie and it's kind of funny and it's and it's kind of a good time but instead I was stuck on a podcast right Mm. Um, and oh no, what was me? But there is something about like, there is something about, I think what people love with cinema and this is, this is why like the big brain meme for me is like, uh, Steven Spielberg is like the key, (laughs) you know, like the older I get, the more movies I watch. Right. Like there's just the best of it is at that, like fueled imagination and adventure that takes place on the big screen. Mm. I don't want more movies like this. And I know that might be just the worst thing somebody could say. No, I I I know I agree, but (laughs) there are people out there that are like, well, you probably just want dumb Marvel movies. It's like, no, I don't. Right. (laughs) The last two movies we watched from 2022 are full of imagination and adventure. Um, Despite what I thought of everything everywhere, there's a lot of imagination there. And Top Gun, Maverick, even though it is a staple and maybe a copy of Star Wars in some weird way, there's an adventure that's pulling in that film. And I personally, like, I also like when there's some sort of like deep wisdom or something shared, but I, I want less of what this movie does. I want less of what Triangle of Sat- Sadness does. Um, and I, I I think that the movie industry has profited a lot when so many creators and critics and like so many people have entered this scene to talk and make money off talking about movies, you know? Um and just being involved in the medium and stuff. And it's happened I think it's happening across everything, honestly, at this point. Um, there are too many people talking about (laughs) everything, uh, and not thinking about anything. 
And yeah, it's, I mean, I feel like an old man shouting at clouds for that kind of take. Um, but we don't, I don't know. I don't know. This, this movie, um, is not something I recommend. But, but wait, but wait, but that, that is the attitude of the movie though. I, if you say so, you know, <laughs> sure. I mean, it. I, well, I mean, it could not be. It could be the opposite of this, but but pretty. I'm pretty sure that the attitude of the movie is exactly what you're talking about, which is, um, it, basically, isn't it stupid that we do this? Essentially, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it just the worst? Um, if that's what it's trying to say, it didn't do a very good job saying it. That's that's to you. Like genuinely. Genuinely. That's how I feel about it. Um okay, well it didn't say it to me, but there are plenty of people like me who seem to want to fuse their opinions across everything or they're or they're experts about something and so they're gonna sit there and try to I don't know, blab on and on on social media about it or you know, like this is a bigger problem than just a niche conversation you know like i don't know it's just like i i mean yeah maybe this movie is just niche right um it's just weird that either i'm too dumb to figure that out right even though i'm kind of like involved in a in a movie conversation space and that's fine if i'm just not smart enough but at the same time I kind of take pride in that. I'm like, thank goodness I'm not smart enough to figure it out because I don't know. I just, um, I just, I don't think there's brilliance there to be real. I really don't. <laughs> not. <laughs> and I know that's like, that's like, you can disagree with me there, Cameron. You can disagree. I just, this is like, this kind of movie is not a movie that, people wanted to see um and that doesn't mean i guess that doesn't mean it shouldn't be around or something <laughs> right i'm not that's not what i'm trying to say but don't tell me it's best picture this year uh, it's not thing. it's not best picture this year but i do think it is good and i think it i think this is a movie for me that i'm going to think about for a lot longer than everything everywhere and in fact i probably already have actually um thought about it a lot longer than everything everywhere um so i mean i i predict that both of these movies i won't think about at all in six months (laughs) as a matter of fact i had a moment with a movie that i actually really liked that i couldn't recall anything from recently i was uh considering first man which we both enjoyed I was like, I literally couldn't tell you one thing that that movie was trying to say, <laughs> or what it was about. Oh, really, come I know on, there's moon. Come on, come on. No, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you. Um, that movie. And, that movie is actually exactly what we're talking about. About uh, mixing together the, you know, kind of the the action and the and the meaning uh, 
and putting it all together. That is that is one of those movies. <laughs> I agree. No, I remember saying that. I remember being all about it. So what's the deal? You know. Well, I mean, it's about it's about his relationship with with his daughter and the sacrifices that he has to make. Um, <laughs> to it was that. multiple choice, Cameron. I'd fail that test. <laughs> you know, you could have even showed me that answer. I'd be like, uh, well, remember maybe? when he throws the his daughter's bracelet in the moon uh, in the moon hole? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. <laughs> that's that's what that whole movie is. I literally don't remember any of this. Oh right? man! <laughs> and so I don't funny. think maybe maybe the end maybe the ending of this show is that I'm just I'm I am really just dense. I'm not sure. But you <laughs> no, know what movie no. I can't stop thinking about? You know what movie I can't stop thinking about? <laughs> A movie that I didn't want to like is West Side Story. Yeah, and that's for why. sure. <laughs> you know Steven Spielberg. I don't know what he's got. He's got he's something. Got something. Right. I saw this video some- today, um, totally just a side tangent, but I saw this video today that was, it was Steven Spielberg and he was explaining what he loves about the end of um, The Last Crusade. And he's talking about how, you know, he um, he sets up the shot in the same way, you know, twice where where she's going after the mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the cup and, and you know, she, she falls and she can't reach it, blah, blah, blah. But then Indy, you know, he's... Um, He's reaching for the cup, and uh, uh, the whole movie, his dad has been calling him Junior. And you know, the one time he says Indiana, and that's what what gets him to listen. You know, and that's <laughs> it's that connection between between you know Indy and his dad um, that pulls him back from from the greed and whatnot. And then it contrasts it with <laughs> with uh, George Lucas talking about the same scene and he's like oh yeah isn't it great that they <laughs> that he he just wants to be with his dad again <laughs> and, and, and it's like the most simple <laughs> explanation of that scene totally like almost right. missing the point and you're like wow right one of you one of you is the is the goat and one of you made one good movie <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to George Lucas. <laughs> have you seen American Graffiti? Because that's come up in a lot of conversations. No, I haven't. Me, I haven't. Personally. I haven't seen it either. Maybe we maybe we should give that a shot. Yeah, maybe. Juzo said Juzo likes it better than than the original Star Wars. Wow, it's impressive. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't even know like how we derailed onto that <laughs> onto that tangent. Um, I think I've made it clear where I stand with this movie. Um, And I wanted to start with the praises that I have for it, because I do think the acting is cool. I also want to shout out um, some of the set design and location in the movie is very, like, um, captivating. I love the scene uh, where she runs in to give, like, that teddy bear back. it's so scary. And it's, like, like (laughs) such, like like, a dungeon, like graffiti filled area and stuff. I don't know that, that whole, that whole section was really, um, like, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. It's a great scene. That's a great and, scene. Uh, I love all of the scenes in her house when she like wakes up in the middle of the night. I think they're just so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also like this, some of the symbolic, um, ideas around the neighbor, the obnoxious neighbor and, mm, um, yeah, kind of like the horrifying, like, 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 
how it becomes more and more horrifying. What like a what was a nuisance becomes like more and more um, scary. Yeah. Right. And the body bag, like at the end of the conclusion of that arc, like really kind of setting in, so like a feeling. Right. Um, there's again, like there is a lot to appreciate about this movie. Um, I think you know if you're a filmmaker, if you're if you want to be a critic, like you can totally sink your teeth into this. Um, I don't consider myself either of those things. Um, although I, I do want to, I, I think I'm actually more drawn to like the movie creation side, uh, than the critic side. And I think, um, this movie does a lot of things that I'm like, I would totally steal that. So if you are like, <laughs> if you are yeah. a filmmaker, like to steal from this movie would be like, a good decision in a lot of places, My, especially because the stuff you could steal from this movie wouldn't feel at all connected to this film. <laughs> sure, either. sure. So, sure. one of my favorite scenes that I think is so creepy, um, but is, um, I don't know. I've I actually have been thinking about it since I saw it the first time. You remember when she goes in and Petra is calling her name, and it's like the middle of the night, um, and then she, you know, she. They they just have like a little moment together, but at the end of that, she looks directly into the camera, and then Tar turns around, and then she like hides behind her, like Petra hides behind her, um, and like gives her a hug. Do you remember that sequence? No, that is like the maybe the scariest sequence for me, and like any movie this year almost like even scarier oh. than barbarian i don't know why there's something very very disturbing about that fourth wall break that i think is um really unique i've never really seen anything like that um, <laughs> me just sitting like drool coming out of my <laughs> mouth when i watch it like uh <laughs> what's happening but it, it's so it's just so unsettling because they like they both they both like look at you for like a like fraction of a second. And it's like you're watching something that you're not supposed to be watching. You know what I mean? Like it's it's very it's very weird. I just I feel like I completely miss I don't know. I didn't I didn't <laughs> zone zonked out in that scene. Apparently. I completely miss that. So um, this movie's long, dude. Oh it's so it's it's it is it, too long, it, but um man, almost in a good way. <laughs> I watched I hate uh, the that. first, I, I, the first, the first hour of this movie felt like three hours to me. That's not a good sign. Personally. Yeah. Well, but it does get, it, it does get a lot better towards the end. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Cause like, I think it does. I the, think it does. The opening scene, like the classroom scene is, be- is good. The classroom really scene good. is very good. But the first two uh, scenes are just, are really disengaging. Yeah, it just feel it's it's way way too long. Um, it could have been ninety minutes. It could have been perfect, you know. <sighs> yeah, maybe, maybe, but you know, I think it's good. I think it's good overall. I like it, and I would recommend <laughs> it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I would not. Everybody would should not take your grandma. Take your grandma. Your grandma will love it. Never. Don't take your grandma to see this movie. It's great. I, it's I great for the whole family. 
Fun times for the that. whole family. All I can think about is the body bag. Take your friends. Doesn't she say your grandma's dead with the accordion? Yeah, she said she. That's a great scene too. She, you know, they come over there. They're like, "Oh, I noticed you. You practice your music. Uh, Could you practice quieter?" (laughs) This like fame, world famous conductor. And she's also uh, a horrible musician. That's that's again another really interesting part of this movie is that she, her, her, what she is writing is the most formless, structureless. M- melodyless like nonsense basically but that's like that's the only thing that she can exist in right now you know what i mean and that's there's some there's there's more there's more depth there <laughs> it just makes me feel super bad for the dj that they put at the end of this movie man <laughs> why like, they do, like they're coming after this guy no well Vesomorph. yeah they're definitely coming for, like they're they're trying to like take this guy down you know maybe maybe look you think he's so? got merch you guys can you guys can buy his merch i don't even know who this guy is don't you feel bad you could you could get a drop ship t-shirt <laughs> like the worst looking photo ever but i do I, I mean yeah are they coming after him maybe they are oh, bro best so morph if you listen to this man like I could make you much better merch than this. Like this <laughs> looks terrible. Like this looks. This has got to be some of the worst looking merch I've ever seen. All right, reach out to Mesomorph. Never mind. I, I got a, I got a bone to pick with Mesomorph. Bring this guy down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> this is the most. The most PR no, actually he's got he's got a lot of streams. I feel like he's probably popular on like workout playlists. Mm. That's, mm. He's got it figured out. I don't hate on this guy, you know. I feel like if you're just can you imagine that, Cameron? Like, let's say you like shoegaze mm-hmm. and you just decide your project is gonna be shoegaze interpretations of all of your favorite songs. Like, I don't think there's any shame in that. I mean <sighs> Isn't there a little bit of shame in that? <laughs> what if he's just like the most real artist? He's like, I'll never write anything good. And so I'm just going to interpret things. And that's good enough, you know? Yeah. Maybe. I mean. Maybe Bessel more. Maybe he's chill. Maybe we're going to be friends. I bet he, you never know. I'm, I'm sure he is chill. I'm sure he's really <laughs> Let's get chill. him on the show, you know? Let's interview <laughs> Let's him. We can show. interview him. <laughs> Have you seen? Did tar? you see Tar? Like, I know what? you were in Tar. <laughs> He's like, what? What's that movie? I was in what? <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? It's like we find out he's AI. Kate Blanchett. Oh no! The uh, another another weird connection that I just wanted to mention. Um, Todd Field, the director. Um, I want you to guess. He's an actor as well. I want you to guess where he's from. What? What movie is he in that we've watched on the show? What movie? Yeah. A director that's in a movie. Yes. Well, no, he's a he's an actor as well. He's an actor in a movie. Does it feel like it relates to this film in any weird yeah, way? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like thematically or like so, um so yeah, sort of. Hmm. 
I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I literally couldn't. He tell. plays Nick Nightingale in Eyes Wide Shut. He plays the the he plays the piano guy who tells the uh, Tom Cruise's character about uh, the the weird party <laughs> that he's going to that he has to be blind. I was gonna say, you know what? My interpretation of this film was less about Hollywood and more about Washington D.C. <laughs> okay, wait, I, now I want to hear it. Was it. Kind of, it was like I kind of thought it was like. Because I think that Hollywood is actually, and the creators in Hollywood are more, they're not an arm's length anymore. I don't think they're an arm's length anymore. I mean, the like, just think about somebody like Villeneuve, right? Mm-hmm. That guy with his blockbuster success around Dune just brought him in, his past works, um, to an audience that was already on board with him. And like, there was like a connection and now people are like becoming fans of him. Like something about this movie felt more like, um, like Blanchett's character was kind of like this political figure and how the younger generation like doesn't connect with them at all. Uh, and they drive around in these fancy cars and have this sophistication and there's always like some strange like um like there's like this strange darkness around politicians where even if they are playing favorites or there's something like there's always something shady in the background even for somebody that you know kind of cuz i think like Blanchett's character should be like like at the beginning when she's talking about kind of like the pressure of sexism and her her line of work and stuff like there's something about it that you're like I should like her I should root for her she's kind of an underdog but I don't feel that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't connect with that mm-hmm. you know I feel very distant from that um and like as you continue to watch it you still feel like who is this? Like, who is this person? Sure, sure. You know, like, why, why do they feel so like, um, I like what you said, like kind of pompous and like, they feel so meaningful in their lives and in their circles, but to like the average person, most people say you're just the worst, you know? And it's all kind of a um, fakeness. There's something that maybe inspired them, a long, long time ago, but it it it's died out along the way. Totally, totally. Yeah. Oh, I t- so that I was... totally agree. I I think that's a that's a fine in- interpretation. Yeah, I like towards the end, especially with like the black and white stuff and um, sort of the assassination of character. Uh, I also think there's that clip of like cutting up what they're saying Mm -hmm. and posting it like on Twitter and the conversation around that. Right. There was something there that I was like, okay. Um, But at the end of the day, like somebody that's like ousted as a star or as a creator, like there's always kind of, like this small subsection of fans that are like, Oh, I don't believe it's true. Or I also am like still in love with that person or, you know, like, like 
I don't know, like something about the way that she falls apart and disconnects um, feels like nobody's asking where she is. Nobody mm. cares where she is. Nobody, like, nobody even remembered who she right. was, right. especially the people, like, that she's around at the end. Um, it didn't matter, right? So, I don't know. Like, I guess that's, it, it was just a... That that's where my headspace went to. I think any sort of aggression that I had against your interpretation is like, of course, it's about Hollywood. Of course, I don't want to hear about that. You know, um, like, but, well, but, but either, I think either, but way. I think it works in both uh, situations. You know, sure, and I, I and, yeah. and there is something interesting because obviously it's it's a character study and kind of it goes through her, um, you know, her her downfall in in a kind of a voyeuristic but very personal way. Um, but even though we can see some of the inside thoughts of Tar and we get some of her perspective, she is still very um, very much an unknown quantity in her character. Um, and even though you know even at the at the very end of of this you know journey, we don't really know what she's what she's gonna do, um, but that but that is why I love that scene where where she sits down with, um, she replays her her video of Leonard Bernstein and you know her dad I think comes in and um, you know she it, uh, he calls her Linda instead of Lydia, um, you know there is something interesting about seeing her you know, shy away from the, um, you know, the small, the small town, like Pennsylvania roots, working class roots, um, that it shows near the end. Um, so I, I don't know. I think, I think there's whatever interpretation we go with, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be that, but it's, it's more of just a, um, you know, she comes from sort of this elitist world of, of totally, you know, bought in, oh, I'm on the New Yorker cover and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm in this other world from my, from my roots. I'm distancing myself even from, from my own name, um, to get to where I am and then to be dragged back down, um, into something much more humble as, is an interesting process, I think. Well, that's about all the praise I have for this movie. <laughs> that's all I'm, I'm going to say. All right. Um, yeah. Interesting choice, but not that interesting. That's all I, well, where do we uh, want to go next? Because we've got one more week in February, and we're going to shift. But um, do we want to watch The Fablemans, which Spielberg, Spielberg, Spielberg. Maybe. Or do we want to watch um <laughs> what else do we want to what what are what are we thinking about? I want to watch Puss in Boots, <laughs> but I don't think that's gonna make it on the show. Do you oh man. Puss in Boots. I know it sounds like a chore, but so does the Fableman. I just want to say that as much as I love Spielberg, I love the Fableman. I think you'll like it too. Every single movie that he makes that comes out now, I just don't want to watch. Um, and I'm always proven wrong. 
I'm yeah. always for. So I, but there's something about him where it's like, like he doesn't have the Christopher Nolan draw. He just cranks out these movies, <laughs> and uh, you're, you're looking at him. You're like, I don't really think I. And then you see it, and you're like, okay, well, that was actually really good. You know. Um, yeah. So. Well, I don't know. I. You know, the other thing that I did, I haven't seen it, but the other one that I kind of wanted to to watch was um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, but that's going to be, I think that's going to be more of a chore than The Fablemans. The Fablemans is at least fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Juzo said that All Quiet, he wasn't a big fan oh, of. Okay. And I well, I read the book and I wasn't too much of a fan of it either. I, I like so. the book. Any... I, I enjoy the book. So... Yeah, I mean, either either way, um, I think the Fablemans would be good, especially with our Spielberg swing Yeah, um, at the end of this episode. I just want the record to show. I voted for Puss in Boots. No one's going to agree with well, me. Well, to be fair, it's, it's not a Best Picture nominee, and that was kind of the theme. Okay, well, what's okay? Well, what's an animated movie that's got Best Picture? No, there, I don't are, even know. there are none. There are none. Well, what about what about like? Are there any like animation awards? What yeah, the animation let's see. best animated movies Oscars. Uh, let's see. Oh. Okay, so nominated: Turning Red, Pinocchio, mm-hmm. Marcel mm-hmm. the Shell with Shoes, The Sea Beast, what, and Puss in what? Boots. <laughs> well. I guess I'm not a kid anymore because I don't watch any Me of those. Me neither. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we'll, we could do the Spielberg one. All right. We can do the Spielberg one. We'll figure that out. I'm going to watch Puss in Boots and tell you guys how it is. How about that? We could do a, we could do a mini-sode. I just, I've only heard good things about it, and I'm probably overhyped it at this point. But um, you know what would be fun is to compare Pixar versus DreamWorks this year. That would be fun. Ooh, yeah, that's a big conversation, isn't it? Yeah. Because I have a notorious hatred of DreamWorks movies, and you don't, and neither does you, though. Um, what about Illumination, dude? Well, you know, I think I watched Minions Rise of Gru. You did? Why? <laughs> I think I watched what is, it. Yeah. Why? I watched it on an airplane. <laughs> there were I better options? It. There were. Well, I watched I watched uh, The Norsemen, ah. and then I watched Minions Rise of Gru. What did you think so, about The Northman? Or Northman, yeah, Northman. Uh, I didn't like it. It wasn't very good on an airplane. Probably no. I don't think not, that helped. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but so Tar kinda... or Minions Rise of Gru? <laughs> <laughs> well, am I eight hours into an 11-hour flight? <laughs> Definitely Minions Rise of Gru, right? <laughs> Just on a normal day, let's say. <laughs> on a normal day. <laughs> Minions Rise of Gru because of the runtime. That's all I'm going to... It's probably 90 minutes, right? Probably, yeah. Okay. I, yeah I look it up and it's two, un, two, two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> all right, wait. We'll settle this right now. We'll settle this right now. Here. Minions. Uh, 90 minutes, exactly. Gru. On the dot. On the they dot. were like, "Yeah, this cannot go another minute longer." <laughs> <laughs> Imagine it. Has there was... ever been a two and two and a half hour animated movie? Has that ever been? Uh, I don't know. To be honest, I think I enjoyed it because I didn't expect Steve Carell to be in it for as long as he was. 
and I was like, oh yeah, that's Steve Carell. Yeah. Um, but Russell Brand is Dr. Nefario. Are you serious? How did I not know that? It's so weird. Very, very strange. Okay, all these uh, all these really long I just looked up these long <laughs> animated movies. Um, and they're all Japanese. So Dude, I've I've been wanting to try to give some like anime movies a shot. Mm. All right. Cause I keep hearing about Akira or something like that. And I've never seen that. And I feel like I've got I've lived long enough to have not seen that. I should I should probably see that. Yeah. Know? Um, I also, my, uh, my cousin Mark shared this song with me when I was like in middle school, it was like from like Samurai Shampoola or something. It's like this weird, like, it's like this old eighties anime and like, it is like basically lo-fi before lo-fi. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is dope, you know? <laughs> and I don't know. I just, um. Feel like I feel like I've explored so much that I didn't want to watch, and that's how I felt about a lot of anime stuff. So I might as well give it a shot at this point. You know? uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, the The thing about anime, it's weird because it's like one of those fandoms that is is still kind of uh, gatekeepy, you know. Um, so you're like, oh, I watched an anime. I watched. Um, I watched Attack on Titan and people are like, wow, you're, you're not a real, you're not a real anime fan. Okay. You've never seen like a real anime. You know what I mean? Which I, I don't watch care. the first two episodes of that. I like, and I was I, like, wow. I like, uh, I like Attack on Titan, but you know. It was scary. <laughs> it was scary when I watched it. It's like, this is really scary. Um, and then I, I remember like watching, um, uh, when we watched Parasite, that scene where like the guy's like coming up the stairs mm-hmm. that reminded me of the energy and attack on Titan, the feeling yeah, i had of being yeah. like i hate this i hate this <laughs> i don't know why i hate this but it's it's also kind of like captivating um yeah no no no. i just i've never seen anything studio ghibli at all i've never seen anything like f- from that and i know i guess that's not considered anime but it is japanese animation right i, I don't know I, I don't know the difference <laughs> and uh yeah and then Whatever the other one I just mentioned was it Akira or something. Yeah, um, that's a classic anime. Could it could have been something? I just want to see something there. You know, I've seen. Let's see. I think I've seen like three Studio Ghibli movies. Um, we should do. You know what we should do, Cameron? We should do animated movies, like from decades. Ooh, okay. You know, that would be cool. I I think I was listening to a. Um, I think it was not. It was like one of the knockback episodes. And they were talking about uh, the Transformers movie, and I was like, I've never seen that. Uh, like I've just never seen it. And they were talking about it like it was like a traumatic experience for them <laughs> when it came sure, out. Sure. And I was like, What did I miss? Doesn't Optimus you know? Prime or, or, die or something? Yeah, 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 something like that. Um, or even like some of the. Uh, like the Batman animated movies. What was the one I was watching a while back that I heard that was recommended? Um, Mask of the Phantasma or something. I was watching. I was like, "This is pretty good." I liked. This is pretty awesome. Yeah, I used to watch some of the Batman animated movies um, that I liked. I can't remember which ones they are though. But 
when yeah it's i i have like barely any experience with with animation it kind of wasn't wasn't even something that i thought that deeply about the you know the other weird thing about animation is it's not a it's so broad um and it's not really a genre um Mm-hmm. And it kind of just covers so many different styles of things. Like, is Coraline the same as The Incredibles? Not really. It's a different process. It's a different kind of medium. Uh, but they're kind of lumped into this this one thing. And then hand-drawn versus CGI and, you know, all that stuff. It's just, it's a whole world of things to talk about. Bro, how about you want to talk about an animated movie? Let's talk about Nine. Do you remember that movie? I remember the trailer for that movie. Nightmare Fuel. That movie is Nightmare I've never Fuel. seen the movie, but I, I loved that trailer with the Coheed and Cambria song. That song was sick. Do you remember that? I just, I think my parents let me watch it because it was animated, but it was like, I don't know, looking at the images now, <laughs> it does not look all that scary. Um... I just remember it being like it's like Terminator esque, mm. you know, like it's the end times in this movie. Yeah, I'm sitting here watching it as a kid. I'm like, it's just horrifying. Do you remember ants? You know, we talked just... about ants before, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ants. That's no, I, a movie I, that was scarring as a kid for me. Yeah, not a big, not a big ants guy. That's for sure. I've watched it a lot, but yeah. Wow. Nine came out on nine nine oh nine. They really they really knew us up. Yeah. Um but yikes. I'm looking at images of this is scary, dude. <laughs> this is like matrix this is like the ma- the kid the kids version of the matrix, but there is no matrix. You're just stuck in the wasteland. Mm, mm. You know, I guess, you know, very fallout and everything. Um, but all right. Well, I think we've rambled long enough, Cameron. Uh, we'll figure out what we're going to do. Probably the Spielberg one. Um, we do post every Tuesday. We're a little late because of the holiday. We appreciate you guys waiting uh, until next week. You have a good one and keep watching movies. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.